today's special episode, I will interview Simon, Andy and Lawrence about the delivery of a centralized appointment booking system for the national COVID-19 testing and vaccination program. What role did we play in the program? How did we get qualified? And what challenges did we face? Stay tuned and you'll soon find out. If you like this episode, please like, share, comment or subscribe on your favorite platform. everyone, welcome to another CX Insider episode. This is Valentina and today I am joined by one of our regular co-hosts, Simon. Hello Simon, how are you? Hello, I'm good, thank you. Good. I would also like to welcome the ACF Technologies UK Office Managing Director Andy and our Technical Director Lawrence. How are you guys today? All good, thanks. That's a long title, thank you. Great, thank you. Yes, good to be here. <laughs> Great. As some of our listeners may know, CX Insider is a company podcast provided by ACF Technologies. We deliver customer experience management solutions, and as a matter of fact, we've been involved in the UK's COVID-19 testing and vaccination program. And that is essentially what we're going to talk about today. So, let's start from the beginning. Simon, could you tell me, how did it all start? What is the role of ACF Technologies in the COVID-19 national testing and vaccination program in the UK? So uh, we were invited into a formal RFP process. The connections that we had there were really from um, uh, the marketing and the networking that we do. We have a we have we had a relationship with Deloitte in the background, which kind of gave us that platform to be invited into an RFP, and it was a standard RFP process. Um, those suppliers out there that get that get their business through RFPs, we all know that there are good RFPs and bad RFPs. And what I mean by that is, you know, they need to give you the opportunity to not just kind of answer to requirement. They need really to give you the opportunity to kind of flex your muscles and show exactly what your solution can do with, with RFPs. And this one was pretty well written. It was quite um, targeted. Uh, it was quite detailed. Uh, the only small issue we had was that it was given to us on a Friday and we needed to respond with a full proposal and documentation by the Monday. So we had precisely three days to uh, to complete the documentation and get it all back, um, which was good for us because most of our business historically has been through RFPs anyway. So we have the experience and, you know, the documentation. So we knew how to respond to it within those, those timescales. And what we're providing uh, is ultimately a, a software platform for the testing and vaccine projects. I'm sure Andy and Lawrence will go into it in, in more detail, but essentially for the testing projects, we're here to allow kind of patients to book themselves appointments. And with vaccines, it's, it's similar, just with more kind of process management in the background. You said three days to get all the documentation. Three days, yeah. Wow. Typically, we uh, well, me personally, the way I work is uh, the art of procrastination. If they'd have given me four weeks, I would have waited till three days before the end to do it anyway. So, <laughs> But what exactly qualified us in this project? As far as I'm concerned, this is not our first experience providing vaccination appointment booking solutions. Am I correct? Yeah, that's correct. I think our, our ACF as a business has been growing slowly over the over the years into this position because the 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 reasons that that we were perfectly qualified for this was just our experience delivering to projects of this scale um we work with a lot of major high street retailers 
we, we a, de- a department of work and pensions use our solution to manage uni- universal credit so it was quite clear from the outset that that our platform had the capabilities to deliver to a project of this size and the fact that we had delivered to projects of this size as well which is i think more important ultimately you know our our ability in delivering um not just at, at speed but but the quality required here because as you can imagine this we had a there's like a four week time period to get a project of this scale live so obviously quality had to be absolutely essential in in the delivery of this so it's, it's both the products that we've got and our kind of experience and capability to deliver that kind of put us head and shoulders above everybody else. Thank you, Simon. And passing on you, Andy, considering this project had to be delivered in such a short period of time, what approach was taken with the delivery of of the project? Yeah, luckily for ACF, our delivery team and our customers, unlike Simon, we didn't procrastinate. And that was really, yeah, like so much, that was the key for, for us. And the, the, the challenge was just um, getting this set up and implemented uh, as quickly as possible. Certainly in the, the testing side of things, we didn't have a lot of time to plan anything. Like the procurement was done really quickly. And our initial, um, this, is, this is a fairly kind of atypical approach that we take to delivery in general. Like our initial aim was to try and get a proof of concept um, up and running as quickly as possible. So um, we got some initial requirements of, of what was going to be needed um, and then just look to build that out as quickly as possible um, to get to a proof of concept stage, which, yeah, really it took like a matter of a week or so um, before we had what was essentially a, a working system. Um, and then a few weeks later, we were we were fully live. So, yeah, that was that was really the key was just to, to, to get it out there as quickly as possible, have the client uh, start testing and using it, uh, get some user feedback on the, the journeys that we'd help them implement. And then after that, um, really, and not as is pretty common these days, uh, it was a case of trying to drive towards a really iterative delivery approach. So really sort of continuous integration delivery, um, especially with the, the, the testing, COVID testing project we were doing, that was, um, we had a lot of changing, changing scope and changing requirements as we went through. So it was really important for us to, to keep on top of that that change and um, just deliver it in as, as quickly as efficiently as, as we could um, and then with the the vaccine project that we've been doing most recently it was a really yeah, a similar approach in that yeah one of the one of the main reasons that we were selected in the first place was um, because we had a solution that was really capable kind of off the bat and we were just able to build on top of that because there's been lots of of different kind of niche requirements that the NHS have wanted that we've been able to deliver on and we've just kind of pushed that through over the last um, last few weeks and, and months since we've been able to to work on it so yeah that's just generally been our approach and then most importantly after we've delivered it as well we've been able to leverage our um, kind of 24-7 support coverage that systems like this need and certainly everyone's familiar with what Boris talks about and the requirements of the the vaccine side of things certainly it's going to be a 24-7 service for people to be able to book into and and we're totally aligned to support that yeah Andy I can um, add a little bit to that probably the the reward of this project is the 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 culmination of several years of, of of hard work in the background in creating 
a solution which can do this type of thing in the first place. You know, we as a, we as a team and as a business have put lots of research and development and effort into creating what we feel is kind of like the industry leading product in this particular area. So, you know, when the, when the need arose, we kind of had the product almost almost ready to go, uh, obviously not specifically designed to what the NHS were asking for, but fully capable of doing what they wanted. Thank you, gentlemen. I assume, knowing what you just said, uh, there must have been many challenges during the delivery of the project. Were there any challenges you did not expect to happen? Yeah, there are a few. I think certainly with, well, yeah, with, with both of them, really, it's been a case of, and this is this is actually pretty common with most projects. It's just it was really enhanced with both of both of these because it was delivered really quickly and it's a really widely used system that's really kind of public facing and in the spotlight. And we found that one of the one of the key things is really how people actually end up using it. So the all these systems they're invariably designed in a room, albeit a virtual room in this case, where People um, come up with ideas of how they think the system should work, how the system should flow, um, what the different use cases are going to be. And both of the testing project and the vaccine project, we've done that. And then when it comes to reality, when you actually put it live, you realize, oh, the people use it like that. <laughs> uh, and then it's funny how people work when they actually get a system of the different ways people try and work around problems that they get or whatever use cases they um, people start using. And, and it just means that you have to then uh, evolve and adapt the system to, to cope with it or make it easier for people to use. So, yeah, certainly in the both the projects, we've had similar scenarios where we've we've put it live and then we find out that, yeah, there's, there's something that we can tweak that will make a user experience better. And so, yeah, there's been a, a few of those where you can't really you can't really plan for that uh, as such other than um i think i'll talk about it a bit later on of, of lessons learned of, of what you could do differently but um it, yeah it's always been good and, and certainly we've done it well in the the vaccine project is getting as early user feedback as possible which helps when we do the concepts um but yeah you can never be fully prepared for how people end up using it i, I love um i love the challenges in the different way that issues were raised because because during this project you'd, you'd often see boris being asked in prime minister's questions or nicola sturgeon being asked in first minister's questions about an issue with the system so you know, it's quite amusing to be learning about the work you're about to do from tv that kind of i imagine that kept a few people awake at night on to the technical specifications as more COVID-19 vaccines being developed and approved does our software support the configuration of all vaccine types meaning single dose and, and, and two dose yeah in, in a word yes but with more background to that I guess it's because we have worked very hard on putting together a system that does allow for a wide range of um, vaccine types and business rules and use cases. Um, we wanted to make sure that we didn't just meet the needs of the NHS as it stands now, but future-proof it because we know in the future there may be extra vaccines that come out. There may be a change in the dosing uh, regime. We don't know that. So we need to make sure that we are fully prepared to make those changes with, with as minimal impact as possible. There are some complexities added into that. 
those business rules. Obviously, with the different vaccines, there are or there may be different dosing regimes. So spacing between your first dose, your second dose. Um, so we need to make sure that that is included into the solution. And we need to make sure that we cater for all of the the other unknown scenarios or complex scenarios, such as what if a, a user misses a dose or is late for a dose? What if there is only capacity to deliver their first dose and they need to come back at a later date to then book their second dose? How do we enforce that spacing between the different doses of the different um, vaccine types as well? Mm. Thank you, Lawrence, for actually addressing that. So in case a patient or I miss an appointment, um, I can just freely rebook it again and uh, the, the system will support it without any issue. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, if you are under particular scenarios, you may need to actually rebook or, or something like that. But yeah, we make sure that the, the, the user always has that route available to them to make sure that, you know, the service is as eligible as possible for everybody. Fantastic. With a booking system so widely used by such a large range of people, how do you design the system to be able to support those with different accessibility needs? I suppose accessibility in our system falls down into a couple of different areas, actually. First of all, when you use the system, uh, so if anybody has used it or at least seen the system, um, you'll be asked very early on in your journey, do you have any accessibility needs? Such as, do you need a, um, a hearing loop or induction loop? Or do you need step-free access? Or do you need a Braille translation service or sign language service? Many other things. And then off the back of that, all of the individual sites that are within the solution have all of their accessibility capabilities, if you could put it that way, um, logged. So we know site A has disabled car parking and wheelchair access, and site B has an induction loop and uh, text relay service and so on. So when you go through and you choose your requirements, then the sites we return to you meet your needs. So you will always have an option to, to go to a site that is accessible for you. The second part of it is the actual the, the website itself, the booking website itself. We've put a lot of effort in to make sure that this meets the NHS's accessibility requirements for screen reader usage, for mobile responsive navigation, for keyboard navigation, because we need to make sure that everybody can use this system no matter what challenges you might face in navigating a, you know a techno technical system um you using a device of some sort thank you lorenz and back to you andy i would like to ask you how do you manage the availability of vaccines and stuff across so many locations yeah there's um quite a few different solutions that we've got that are capable of doing it and we've we've deployed like two really different ones for both the the testing the covid testing project we worked on and the covid vaccine ones because they've got different kind of operating models so and we kind of flexed with how we need to need to work with both so for the covid testing side of things we've it's been quite a centrally managed solution in the individual test sites and not always directly responsible for saying their availability and also there's been quite a 
quite a nuance with with how the testing sites operate. So a lot of them, as you probably know, have been mobile testing sites as well, which literally spin up, spin down in a matter of days, depending on where they need to go for a hotspot or or, or whatever it might be. And um, yeah, so the solution we've used for that has been more of a kind of bulk approach or we've got a particular tool that yeah you can at any time say affect all of the um, estate of, of testing sites and say which ones are, are active and which ones are live and what their availability is over the coming days and that can be changed really it's all just real time obviously but the ability to change all of them at once centralized has, has worked really well for the testing side of things um, especially with the mobile uh, units that they've got deployed and then a slightly different approach for the COVID vaccine project where we've given a lot more flexibility and I guess responsibility for um, the actual kind of site managers that, are, that, that look after each of the COVID vaccine sites. So they have um, a kind of diary manager tool that we allow them to use, which really gives them like full control of when they're, well, how many doses or how many vaccines they're able to offer and what times they're able to offer those, what days they're able to offer those on repeating patterns so they can really get to a, um, a really detailed level of um, when they want to do it. And that's worked really well for, especially in the kind of scenario we're in at the moment where as it's kind of been pretty well documented, but they've shifted around how they've, um, how you get dose one and dose two, for example. So going back to what Lawrence was saying earlier about the flexibility of uh, making sure it's future-proof, like the fact that, yeah, on one day, uh, you have to have a, a dose 21 days apart and then the next week all of a sudden it's, it's 12 weeks apart and um, that's been something that the system's been really easily able to cope with and yeah a lot of the users have had all the power to be able to to, to manage that and then I think on, on top of that as well as um, the actual ability to set all that up we've got some great reporting tools that sit behind it that really not just at, at a kind of individual site level but at a, uh, a national level you're able to really quickly see the status of the whole estate and the availability of the sites, the how booked up they are, what capacity they've got, what's what's left, so you can um, identify where the where the gaps are, which certainly helps at a, a national reporting level. So. Thank you. Given this is a national booking program, what kind of volumes does the system have to work with? Yes, good question. So we, uh, we've done loads of different types of testing for both the, the um, COVID testing project and the vaccine project. And really it's, it's centered around a few different different scenarios. So not just a case of um, like pure bookings, also tried to simulate the actual usage in a, a real world scenarios as well. So like generally, I think the, the stats of what the UK government are trying to achieve are, are fairly well documented of wanting to hit several million vaccines a week. And generally we've, we've tried to scale that to mean that, yeah, at, at peak hours, you might be needing to, allow the system to book kind of up to let's say half a million appointments an hour and however many a minute um that equates to not my strong point in maths but that's uh that's where we've kind of focused a lot of the testing is just pure volume within an hour let's say and yeah half a million an hour is, is roughly what we're aiming towards but on top of that it's not just a case of, of, of that happens over an hour and that's how it's going to be perfectly spread there's also and what we found with the covid testing as well is that you can have a member of government make an announcement live on TV that so-and-so testing is available, such and such area has a vaccine available, and then within 10 minutes, your system's got a whole heap of requests in a really short space of time. And certainly we saw that 
last year around about when schools were planning on coming back we had a real ramp up of, of people wanting covid tests and that's certainly something that we've we've had to test towards and and deal with and yeah it's just there's there's plenty of lessons learned there that we've had for the different scenarios and again going back to what I was talking about with how people use the system uh in reality so yeah there's been a lot of testing on both of these projects i can add to that a little bit in that to achieve those sort of numbers with fairly complex business rules driving it behind the scenes as well um we've we've essentially adhered to all the best practices for kind of solution design infrastructure and all of those sorts of things to make to make sure that you know we can meet those numbers we can keep it as you know as stable as we possibly can and and also make that solution as future proof as possible as well so you're saying half a million of appointments per hour our system is able to book well that's amazing it's it's actually more than that valentina um so it's half a million appointments per hour but behind that there's there's actually more individual kind of system calls that are made so when it comes to system calls you might be looking at the millions per hour millions so quite, per hour yeah it's really quite heavy usage hmm. incredible uh, my next question i would like to ask simon why do you use an appointment booking model instead of a walk-in model The reason I ask is because there are some countries which don't use appointment booking model at all. That's a good question. The difference is really between um, efficiencies and, and external factors. The walk-in approach can be set up as efficiently, but it relies more on predictive analysis because you don't really know where the demand is going to be. You don't know when patients are going to arrive for tests or a vaccine if you just let them to kind of walk in to facilities having an appointment approach allows you to fix time slots and availability your staff and your resourcing so it's a lot easier to manage and um, plus as i mentioned the external factors there's a lot of consideration needs to be taken into account in the location the physical location of test centers for example particularly the ones in london you want to avoid causing traffic you want to uh, kind of encourage social distancing so you want to protect the staff that are working at the facility uh, there's lots of kind of background external factors that just help keep people safe when you use an appointment based solution not least the i'd say that that not least the fact that both uh, in the testing side of things and the vaccine there's obviously a limited supply as well right so um all of that has to be taken into account when you you're doing the appointment booking yeah thank you we are getting to the end of the episode unfortunately but i've got one last question for andy many countries are now looking to implement a similar centralized booking solution for their vaccine program what advice would you give and what would you do differently yes some of the best advice i think is in the delivery of how we did both of these these projects so the key being for us was to get to that point of proof of concept as quickly as possible and get real user feedback as quickly as possible because that determined what changes we were going to need to make and also for, for kind of the on, ongoing testing of the project as well uh, and and continuous integration continuous delivery really drove like that that forward change that we were going to have to implement so certainly just getting user feedback as quickly as possible to understand what's going to work and what's not and then and, and that doesn't just apply to when we say users that doesn't just apply solely to kind of consumers of the system so let's say the citizens 
who are actually having the tests and getting the vaccines. It also applies, and it's really important to the the back end users of the system as well. So, like for the um, like for example, in the the vaccine project we've done most recently, uh, there's really a lot of responsibility on the people, the site managers that are responsible for saying how available is their site, how many vaccines can you deliver, what times you open. So really getting those users on board with training programs and documentation on what they need to set up and um, making them comfortable with how to do it, because they that ultimately is what kind of drives the system and, and makes the system work as best it can. Um, and then finally, yeah, just, just trying to cater for the different types of testing you're going to need to do, uh, because the, this is these are such in-demand systems and they're such crucial critical systems, uh, really the the testing behind it is just um, critical to get right. So, yeah. Thank you for your answer, Andy, and thank you for your time, Simon and Lawrence. For those of you who enjoyed this episode, don't forget to like, share, comment, or connect with us on LinkedIn. Enjoy the rest of the week, and I will see you next time.